0: Holy Spirit, set us ablaze with your love, that we might be lights to the world. Amen. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only they who see take off their shoes, The rest sit round and pluck blackberries." That's a part of a poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, an English poet who lived in the 1800s. It's one of my favorite lines in all the poetry or prose, and you've probably heard me quote it before. My hope is that if you have not yet heard me say it enough to have it memorized, that eventually you will. Because, in a nutshell, this is what faith is all about being alive to the fact that indeed every bush is a fire with God. As our first reading this morning is Moses' divine encounter at the burning bush, it's good to remember that earth is crammed with heaven. Now, certainly, a burning bush is noteworthy. But it's another part of this passage that makes it so foundational for jews and christians last sunday you'll remember we heard about moses birth how he was born during a time of oppression and genocide but through the courage of shifra puah and his sister miriam moses is saved from death and grew up in pharaoh's court Now when Moses was grown, maybe in his 20s or so, he saw an Egyptian beating an enslaved Hebrew. And Moses killed that Egyptian, which meant that he was now a fugitive and had to run. He eventually settled in the land of Midian, what we would today call Saudi Arabia. There Moses came to the aid of a certain shepherd's daughters who were being harassed at a well. After that incident, Moses married Zipporah, one of this man's daughters. Now, we don't know how much time elapsed during all of these events. Scripture only tells us. After a long time, Pharaoh died. And then we are told that God heard the cries of the Hebrew people under the oppression of another Pharaoh and acted to bring salvation to them. God speaks to Moses out of this burning bush, but Moses has some questions. Now, how much Moses knew about God, we really can't be sure. Remember, he was raised in Pharaoh's household. And then when he fled, he was living in a foreign land. So Moses may not have grown up hearing the stories from Genesis that you and I all know. But he knows that he is encountering something bigger than himself at this bush. And so he asks, well, who do I tell them you are? It's a fair question. In Moses' day, just like in ours, sometimes the messenger carries as much weight as the message itself. Now, God's response is one that scholars and mystics have been pondering for thousands of years. God said to Moses, I am who I am but that's only a guess at the translation. It's a word that conveys being or happening, but it could also be translated as, I will be who I will be, or I will be who I am, or I am who I will be, or something along those lines. Interestingly, the Hebrew letters behind that name, they are all vowel sounds, and Hebrew is a consonant-based language. So by giving a name that's vowel-based, God is essentially saying, I'm not going to be defined or constrained by human language. The word in Hebrew also has a very breathy sound to it, suggesting that it's easier to breathe God's name than it is to think about it. Now, I absolutely love this passage. I could go on the rest of the afternoon about it, but I won't. The angle I want to take this time through the text, though, is the timelessness of God's response. Using the verb for being, God tells Moses that he is that which all being, existence, and meaning is founded upon. This is true, has always been true, and will always be true. That God is. So, for the rest of this sermon, I want to consider what God's being in the past, present, and future is pointing us towards beginning with the past. Some Jewish scholars say that this bush that Moses encountered had been burning since the very beginning of creation. It's just Moses was the first one to notice it. Friends, how true it is that God's love is burning all around us, and we just don't always notice it. Maybe it's because we're preoccupied with tasks and appointments Maybe it's because we're just looking at a screen all the time. Maybe it's because we have a pathological need to always have the answer. But I wonder, when was the last time that you were caught off guard by love or wonder? Last Sunday, I preached about the dangers of forgetting. And that bears repeating today because when we forget, we get into so much trouble. When I talk to people who are struggling with their faith, nearly all of their struggles are rooted in the past. Because in the present moment, most of us can still be swept off our feet by love or beauty, which are sure signs of the divine. And a lot of people, even if today is hard, they can find strength for tomorrow. It's the past that gives us so much trouble. If we do not take the time to turn aside and notice those burning bushes of God's grace and mercy in our lives, when we look back and reflect on life, we might assume that God was not with us the whole way. If we do not allow ourselves to be distracted, we miss out on the Spirit's intrusions into our lives. If we believe that lie, that we really are okay and that we don't need any help, well, then we might refuse the light and the warmth of the fire that God has put right in front of us. God tells Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. And it's not just that God hears us and knows what's going on, but God cares and is concerned. God says, I have come down to deliver them. God's presence makes all the difference. Now, at this point in the narrative, the people have not been liberated from their oppression. They have not escaped Egypt. They have not come into the promised land. But these things are guaranteed because God has come down, because the bush is burning. God has promised to be with us. But if we have not paid attention to God's presence with us in the past, we're gonna start to wonder, is God really gonna be with me in the future? When we ignore those burning bushes, we're left stumbling around in the dark. When we say, I have my own light, thank you very much, then we end up with self-made idols that always let us down. God's always been with us, and if we can recognize that, then the past is not a place of despair. It's the foundation for God's salvation. When it comes to the present aspect of God, What this encounter reminds us is that God is to be experienced. More than being an object of study in theology or philosophy, God is sensed. That burning bush, it must have been quite the sight. But there was also the crackling sound of the flames, the blazing warmth, the smoky smell, even the charred taste of food that might have been cooked over it. We can never know God as intended or desired if we keep faith as a matter of our thoughts. And I'm saying this as someone who has hundreds of theology books across the street. Each week I listen to hours of church-related podcasts. I have three degrees representing 12 years of study in the field of religion, and I'm saying this. Yes, certainly we can know God through our intellect. that's always a secondary way of knowing god god is to be experienced just as a fire is to be experienced if you're cold looking at the picture of the fire is not going to warm you up if you're in the dark wishing that you had a torch is not going to help you see anything and this is why practices of faith are so important things like physically receiving communion so that we can taste the goodness of the Lord. Things like serving those in need so that we have to touch other people. Things like singing, where we use the whole of our bodies to offer praise. These things matter so much. And what happens is these experiences allow us to experience the God who is, instead of the gods of our own making. God is manifest in a burning bush which is an oxymoron of sorts, because typically when you set a bush on fire, it doesn't last very long before it turns into ash. But this divine fire is never consumed. It's a contradiction, a mystery. God can never be fully understood. And so when we approach God only with our brains, we will end up with a frustratingly incomplete and unsatisfying result. It's why very few people have ever come to faith Through a debate but most people can tell you a story of their conversion experience what this means for us in our current moment is that the church if we are to draw near to this sacred flame must focus on encountering the presence of god that's available in others and in sacrament i'm not saying that the things that the church does are bad things like programs or initiatives but we have to keep our mind on the fact that the things that we do as a parish do not exist as ends unto themselves. Rather, we do these things as a way of gathering around that fire in beloved community. But if what we are doing distracts us from that fire, well, then maybe some of those other flames need to die out. When it comes to our future, God's name gives us hope at the end of the reading we heard god say this is my name forever and this my title for all generations every year i get an annual statement from the church pension fund according to their records february 1st 2049 is my anticipated retirement date now if you ask me when i was ordained what i thought the church would look like in the year of my retirement, I would have had some guesses that I could give you. If you ask me today, I will tell you I don't have a clue. The church, if we are going to be deserving of that name, we will still be baptizing people, still celebrating the Eucharist, still serving those in need in 2049. But beyond that, I really don't have a guess. There's a book that came out two weeks ago that I've been reading called The Great Dechurching, The author's claim is that we are in the midst of the most significant 25 years in our nation's religious history. Since 2012, more people have left the church than joined it in the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and Billy Graham Revival Era combined. Across political affiliation, age, race, education level, and denomination, church affiliation is on a steep decline. And we are not well positioned for this. We are burdened with the trappings of Christendom in a post-Christendom world. We have structures, expectations, buildings that no longer serve our needs. Imagine working for the Yellow Pages in 2023 and you have a glimpse of what it's like to be in the church. Think about when's the last time you saw the yellow pages. That's sort of the point. Now, one possible, even understandable response to this reality would be despair and resignation. The stress, anxiety, and existential fear that is facing the church is absolutely real, just as the changes that are coming are absolutely real. God is a God not only of the past and the present, but also the future. And so we do have hope. We have hope because three days after he was killed, Jesus rose from the grave. We have hope because that fire of God's presence that Moses saw at a burning bush now dwells in each of us through the Holy Spirit. That's why in that Pentecost icon, everyone has a flame above their head because the fire is still burning. We have hope because Jesus has promised us that nothing can thwart the church, not even the gates of hell. We have hope because though the church is certainly declining here, it is growing at an unprecedented rate in Africa and Asia. We have hope because God is seen in burning bushes that are not consumed meaning there is an unlimited potential and possibility in god now what this means in practical terms for church budgets staffs buildings and programs truly i don't know and to be honest i do have anxieties and concerns about that i won't pretend that i don't but more than that we have the hope that God's fire of love will continue to burn for all those who turn aside to look at it. I find it so interesting that Moses asked God another question in addition to who are you. Moses also asked, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God never answered that question. Because it doesn't matter if Moses was prepared or equipped for this mission— Moses' credentials and experience are not what made salvation possible. Rather, salvation comes through the name of the Lord, the God who is and was and is to come. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. The ever-burning power of God's gracious love is where we find our healing from yesterday, our strength for today, and our hope for tomorrow.